We're going to be in First uh, Samuel chapter number 20, if you'd find your place there, First Samuel and chapter number 20. <clears throat> I might mention that on, on Tuesday that uh, Jeremiah Unruh is preaching chapel there. I know he would appreciate you praying for him as he's part of that 1040 uh, prayer conference even. And of course, his dad was uh, using the Lord to help him get started there. And so it's uh, quite significant for him to get to do that. Would you pray for Brother Jonathan and Brother Jeremiah, though? I mean, he's nervous about it, but I know he's a, he's a preacher of the word. And so pray for him. Pray for the Hain Lines. Uh, they're here tonight. Brother Chad and Miss Sarah, they'll be going out on more deputation now and going to hit some stretch where they're gone for a good while. So pray for them, if you would, please, also. Okay, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 20. First uh, Samuel 20, uh, it's a lengthy chapter. It's a lengthy chapter, 42 verses. We're not going to read it all while you're sta standing. I know you, you, you would though, right? If we did, you'd be willing to. I'm not questioning you there. Uh, but for the sake of time, we're not going to read all 42 verses. I'm just going to try to hit the highlights of it. But um, it, it may seem rather ambitious to cover the chapter, but I think it works best that way if we could just consider it as a unit here and for those of you that are guests, we've been in this study here of 1 Samuel and we're calling it When a Nation Needs Revival. And we're, we're recognizing that as a nation that we need revival and whether our nation experiences revival or not, we can as individual people of God. And that's where real revival needs to begin is among the people of God that would have an impact on others. And so certainly coming out of the book of Judges and into the book of 1 Samuel, um, not forgetting about Ruth, and how God had light in the, in the darkness of the judges, in the times of the judges there. But, I mean, things were really in a bad way when, uh, when Samuel came on the scene, and then they've gotten in a bad way under Saul's administration. And, but God's doing something in the life of David. And we're reading about it. We're studying it. Verse number one, And David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? Do you remember that? Saul tried and tried and tried and tried to kill David. And he, Jonathan, said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small. How many say, I, I think Jonathan's missing something right there, right? And he was, he was. We're, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It, it is not so. And David swore moreover, moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, notice what David said in the latter part of verse 3, There is but a step between me and death. I'm just a step ahead of dying. So this is a dire situation. Verse four. Then said Jonathan unto David, whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. And David said unto Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. So they, they concoct this plan. They come up with this plan to see if, if Saul is intent on killing David or not. Okay, so for the sake of time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe and explain that a little bit later on. But look at verse number eight, if you would. There, therefore thou deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a, what's the next word there? A covenant of the Lord. Okay, so we're in a covenant. If you remember chapter 18, they were in a covenant between one another of the Lord with thee, notwithstanding if there be any iniquity in me. This, this is what David is saying. If there be in me iniquity, 
slay me thyself. That's what he said to Jonathan. You take my life, for why shouldest thou bring me to thy father? And, and, and Jonathan said, far be it from me, for, I'm sorry, from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would I not tell it thee. All right, now, um, verse number 10. Everybody still following along okay? All right. Then said David to Jonathan, who shall tell me, or what if thy father answer thee roughly? So they needed some type of a, of a, a means to send a text message. Verse 11, I'm just kidding, not a text message, some kind of communication. Jonathan said unto David, come and let us, let us go out into the field. All right, now I, I really want to pay attention to verse 12 and following. And I'm going to draw attention to a few key phrases I feel like out of the text that really just stand out here. All right, look at verse 12. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel. Now that's unique, isn't it? He, he says before David, he says, it says here, he said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I will then send not unto thee and show it thee, the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. So he's speaking before God, isn't he? Do you see what's going on? But if it please my father to do the evil, then I will show it thee, says to David, and send thee away that thou mayest go in peace. And notice what, what Jonathan says, and the Lord be with thee as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only while I yet live show me the kindness, there's that word again, kindness. It's a very significant word in the Old Testament. It's used quite frequently. Um, sometimes you see it as loving kindness or mercy in the Psalms. It's, it's the word hesed in, in Hebrew, and that, that may not, anyways, that's just what it is. <laughs> but it's a, it's a very significant word. It basically means this covenant faithfulness of our God, that God will be faithful to his covenant. Show me thy, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when, watch this please. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. All right, um, what's hard to, not just read it all here. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 23. Well, before that, verse 22, he says, um, if, if this isn't right, if you're not supposed to stay here, here's what he believed Jonathan did. The Lord has sent thee away. Everybody see that? All right, now verse 23. And as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. All right, one more verse, verse 42. Verse 42. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace. Now this is after everything been revealed. We'll, we'll get back to that in just a moment. Go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us. What does he say again? In the name of the Lord, saying the Lord be between me and thee. I've given the title of the message tonight this, Loyal friends and madmen. You need to know the difference. Loyal friends and madmen. 
okay? Um, do you have friends who support God's will in your life? Do you have friends who support God's will in your life? Would you consider that with me here today? I trust it'll be a great help to you. I know it's a lot of verses, a lot to take in, but I think you'll see it's, it's not overwhelming. We just got to get the main idea of the text. All right, let's, let's get to it. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. You may be seated. Loyal friends and madmen, do you have friends who support God's will in your life? Well, it is a blessing to have friends. Somebody say amen, right? It is a blessing. I mean, it really is. And if you're new to Southwest Baptist Church, let, let me just tell you, and I, I, don't, I know this could sound cheesy and I don't mean for it to, but you're amongst friends. I, I mean, in the truest sense of the word and what we're going to consider here tonight, I, I mean that sincerely. Uh, you may not even realize that. And you, and you know, you can be in a crowd and feel lonely, you know, but you are amongst friends and, um, and so we need to understand, of course, what a friend, what it, what it means. Uh, someone has said this, that you'll be the same in five years as you are now, except for the books you read and the people you meet. Think about that. You're going to be the same five years from now, except for the books that you read and the people that you meet. Charles Bridges, in, re, in uh, response or in commenting on Proverbs uh, 13, 20. Uh, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's what the proverb said. Mr. Bridges said this, it's not left to us to determine whether there shall be any influence, only what influence it shall be in terms of your friends. Did, did everybody get that? It's not whether or not your friends are going to have an influence on you, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. Now, you need good friends. It's going to be a main part of the message here tonight that we need good friends. You need good friends. It's not whether or not your friends are going to have an influence on you, but rather what kind of influence they're going to have. Benjamin Franklin said, He that lieth down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. That's a good insight. Friends, friendships cemented together with sin do not hold said another individual, but the flip, flip side of that would be that friendships cemented together with righteousness or with the Lord, they do hold. They do hold. You, you, you stop and think about it, would you please, tonight? Your friendships, my friendships, our friendships have a huge impact on the principles by which you operate in life, the habits that you have in life, the interests that you have. Probably you have friendships a lot based on your interests. Isn't that right? Um, your interests, your plans, your values. A friend is somebody from whom you receive instruction, encouragement, uh, somebody from whom you have an example. Someone has wisely said that you are either like your friends or you soon will be like your friends. So obviously choose your friends wisely. Are you listening, young people? Are you listening, older people? <laughs> I didn't say old people. I just said older people than young people. Are we doing all right? No, I'm, I'm trying to make friends, <laughs> right? I'm trying to keep friends. You're, you are either like your friends or you soon will be like your friends. Now, I believe 
given the example of our Savior and the ample admonition of Scripture, that we need to be friendly to everyone. I want to encourage you tonight, be friendly. You know, am I saying that as a pastor? Yes, but I'm saying that as a Christian. When somebody comes in here and you don't know them, then go out of your way to introduce yourself to them. Be friendly. Be friendly. That's how, that's how church... Uh, I think honors the Lord and, and has the right kind of a relationship. Just be friendly to everyone, but you really can only be friends with people that are friends with the Lord. There's a difference between being a friend to someone and being friends with someone. Okay. So, I mean, of all the Bible characters in terms of friendships, I mean, you think about David and Jonathan, they're definitely in the, in the top tier of the examples of friendships that, that we find here. And, uh, and, I mean, you, you stop and, and think about this. Uh, David turned to Saul's son. He turned to the son of the man that had thrown a javelin at him three times. And yet he still turned to Jonathan, knowing that Jonathan was his friend. And yet his dad was the javelin thrower. Isn't that Right. David knew he could trust Jonathan. He did. He knew that he could trust Jonathan. So the text is a lot about friendship, but it's bigger than that. That's the reason I wanted to try to highlight different parts of the text. And, and really what I hope that you caught on to is that Jonathan was very often and very strongly emphasizing Jehovah, the Lord. The Lord Almighty, the Lord, the covenant, the relationship, the, the big picture here. And, and please think about this early on in the message. In terms of heir to the throne, it would have been Jonathan. If things had gone like they normally did, the king's son would have been the king after the king Saul was dead. Jonathan was next in line. And yet here's what we see. Jonathan faithfully supporting God's will, even though it meant him not being king. That's unselfish. That's a true friend. Do you, oh, I hope you'll think about this tonight. Do you have friends who support God's will in your life? Do you have friends? And, and I'm looking around here tonight and, and, uh, and I, know, I know that the vast majority of you do and, and that's, I want to capitalize on that. In fact, I'd, I'd be glad just to be positive in the message here. Right? And, and say, hey, thank God for friends that you have that support God's will in your life. Thank God for those friends. They are a real blessing. They support, the word support means this, stand up for advocate, care about. Day, sorry, Jonathan was in the life of David, someone who stood up for God's will, someone who advocated God's will, somebody that cared about God's will. And I would say the reverse was also true that David was one who supported God's will in Jonathan's life. I really like Jonathan, don't you? I mean, I really do in terms of a Bible character. I mean, he's not perfect. I like David, don't you? I like these Bible characters, but I'm glad that God recorded for us the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm, I'm glad that we even get to see some of their faults because it gives us hope and help that, that God too can be at work in our life even though we're not perfect. 
Yeah. And so Jonathan's not a perfect man. He doesn't have a perfect understanding, but he is a good godly friend. He was a friend who supported God's will in David's life. And I'm basically reminding everyone here tonight that you need to have those kind of friends that will support God's will in your life. And you don't need friends in your life. You need to be friendly to everybody. Please keep that in mind. But you don't need friends in your life that try to get you to get away from God's will. David went to Jonathan and he, and he, he went to Jonathan and he left Ramah. Um, you know, it may be why, maybe he should have just stayed in Ramah. It was with, I mean, Samuel was there. The school of prophets were there. Uh, maybe he should have enrolled in Bible college. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you kind of think that given the, given the trajectory of David's life and that he's going to end up in Gath, I mean, maybe it, maybe it would. I'm just totally speculating here. But here, here's what I know. I know what, what he did. I know that at least he went back to where Jonathan was. Um, if you remember Saul, uh, well, Saul was on a 24-hour preaching spree. <laughs> right? Remember that? And, uh, and so he goes to where Jonathan is. And, and David asked Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, what, what have I done? What have I done? Now, he knew that Saul was trying to kill him by this time. I mean, javelins flying by your ear is a dead giveaway, right? <laughs> Happened twice. He thought he's just having a bad day. Everybody's got a bad day. Saul has a bunch of them, right? So there was a point in time when David didn't really think that he was out to kill him. He, he, in his mind, he said, I, I don't, he doesn't have any reason to try to take me out. But that third time kind of convinced him, okay, he means business right here. And maybe it was also the soldiers that had surrounded his house and the fact that his wife had to let him out, you know, the window and he had to escape for his life. And, and maybe the fact that Saul had sent three bands of troops his way to take him when he was in Ramah. I mean, that kind of is a dead giveaway that, you know, he really is not just wanting to do a Bible study with me here today. <laughs> I mean, is this clear? And so David then goes to his friend, Jonathan. He says, why is your father trying to kill me? What have I done? I think David is being very sincere here. He's wanting to say, listen, if, I, if I've done anything, I don't, I don't know about it. My heart, my mind, is, my conscience is clear about this. I don't understand why. I know that he is, but I don't understand why. Jonathan says, wait a minute. I don't think he's trying to kill you. Now, Jonathan, Jonathan is missing a lot right here. I mean, he just really is. Which, by the way, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to insert a few little application points along the way. That's not the main point of the text, but it will help us all to understand this, that even though you've got a good godly friend, that doesn't mean they understand everything about God's will in your life and everything about what's going on. I mean, people have limitations. We all do. Okay. And so Jonathan, he definitely wasn't trying to set him up, but he says, no, my dad would tell me if he's trying to kill somebody. Well, actually in chapter 19, he did. But Jonathan had talked him out of it. So look, I, I'm not trying. I, okay, here's all I'm doing right now. I'm just reporting. Okay, I'm reporting what went on. And, and so David says, no, he is trying to kill me. There's just a step between me and death. And, and, and so let's, let's put this to the test. And here's, here's what they determined to do. Okay, is everybody following along with this so far? Are you with me? I, I want to make sure that you are because now we're, and in verse number four, uh, Jonathan says, whatever thy soul desireth, I will even do it. And so then David tells the plan. He says, listen, if, if you would do this, let's see, because I'm, this is a new moon. And so I'm, I'm supposed to be back at the table. Now, it kind of blows my mind to even think that David would consider going back after the javelin episodes. But in fact, when we get later in the text, Saul is wondering, where is David? Now, if I had thrown a javelin at somebody, I would kind of think, you know, he's probably not going to show up. But, <laughs> but Saul was fully expecting that David would have been there. 
All right. And so David knew that. He said, he's going to expect me for the new moon as part of my role as part of the, the administration. So, but when, when, I, when that day comes, I'm not going to be there and I, I'm going to be kind of hid out. And you tell, you tell, my, you tell Saul that you gave me leave to go back to Bethlehem because my family has a sacrifice and I'm going to be a part of that sacrifice. So I'm, again, I'm just reporting. By the way, don't get mixed up or fouled up or upside down in Bible reading, and you're reading your Bible. Sometimes the Bible is just reporting and not condoning behavior. Because here Dan, David does ask Jonathan to lie and lie and Dan, what's his name? Jonathan does lie. Okay, that was the plan. All right, now let's, let's drop down to verse number eight. He says, deal kindly with me because of the, the covenant. Verse number 11, they're trying to figure out, okay, how are we gonna communicate this? How are you gonna know on the outside what's going on in the inside? So then Jonathan says, Let, let's go out to the field where we can talk more plainly here. And so as they go out to the field, then Jonathan does this over and over again. He does this. He points David back to the Lord. And I think David needed that. David had been anointed by God, if you remember that, by Samuel. The oil had been upon his head. He would be the next king of Israel. And yet David in no wise was trying to usurp authority. He was just waiting on God's timing and he wasn't out to remove Saul. He was just doing what he was supposed to do at that day and time. And this was not a very smooth transition. Reading this account made me very thankful for the way that Brother Sam Davison has handled the transition since 2010, I never had a javelin or anything come my way. It has really been a real blessing. I'm just grateful to God for a smooth transition from one pastor to another. You know, and not all pastoral transitions go that way. So I'm not saying javelin gets involved, but anyways, it can be a little bit risky. But here's Jonathan in verse number 12. He says, O Lord God of Israel, verse number 13, the Lord, verse number 14, the, the covenant faithfulness of our God and the faithfulness between you and I. Um, and then God's going to give you international victory, David. I believe that God's going to bless. How, oh, are you catching this? Here's a friend that's saying, David, God's going to do great things through your life and you're going to have a large area here that you're going to cover and he's going to deliver your, his, your enemies into, into your hand. And, and, and David, listen, God's going to give you the throne and I'm all in support of it. You know why? Because it's God's will for your life. He was not jealous. He was not envious like his father was. He was not out to... Get David, I'm telling you, this was not the common way back then. I mean, all we got to do is just fast forward in Israel's history and see the likes of Basha and, and, and uh, others like that. And Jehu, that when there was a transition in power, they just wiped out the other person's family so there wouldn't be any kind of a coup or an uprising. And, but that's not how David and Jonathan operated. You know why? Because God was in their relationship. God was in their friendship. And they were trying to help one another to do God's will for their life. And so Jonathan is saying the kindness of God, the, the faithfulness of God, and the faithfulness between you and I. Let the Lord even require it in verse number 16 and verse number 21, as the Lord liveth. And verse number 22, the Lord sent you away. The Lord be between me and thee. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Do you see? The Lord was in the middle of their friendship. Amen. In fact, in, in these, uh, what, 13 verses or so, the Lord is mentioned nine different times. And so there's a lot of 
a lot of overlap here in what Jonathan and David are communicating. And, and basically it's this, Jonathan was the right kind of friend in David's life because he helped him to do God's will. He supported God's will in David's life. And so they carried out their plan. Uh, Jonathan was there with his father. Uh, Saul was sitting, watch this, up against the wall. You know why? Because he didn't trust anybody. He wanted to see. You know, your old, old West days, if you're, <laughs> if you're the outlaw, you sit with your back up against the wall so nobody's coming in behind you, right? That's what Saul's doing. And he's got his administration there to his side and, and Jonathan's across the table from him, but there's an empty seat. Huh, where's David? Well, maybe he's unclean, ceremonially unclean. And maybe he wasn't ready for the, for the new moon festival. It's understandable. Maybe he doesn't want to get hit with a javelin again or an attempt. Okay, no, that, he thought maybe he's unclean. Day one went by, no word from Saul. Day two, Saul went off. Saul, listen, lost it. He lost it. He asked, he asked, where is David? And Jonathan speaks up and says, I gave him permission to go to Bethlehem to be with his family for the sacrifice. And, and Saul, well, let me show you what all Saul says. Good night. This is, this is astounding. Look at, uh, in fact, look at verse number 27. He doesn't even say the name David anymore. He refers to him as the son of Jesse. Do you see that? Verse number 27. And, and verse number 30 tells us that Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, which by the way, if you remember back in chapter 14, Saul tried to kill Jonathan because remember he ate the honey. And, and here's a man that is just, I mean, he's just living a self-centered life. And, and his anger is kindled, verse number 30, against Jonathan. And he said unto him, thou son of the... Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. Well, you, you shouldn't talk that way about your wife. <laughs> you son of a rebellious woman. I, evidently she wasn't in the room. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of De Jesse to thine own confusion and the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? In other words, he, he's basically saying this. Listen, listen, son. You're, in fact, here's what he's doing. He's distancing himself from Jonathan. He's saying, you're not acting like any of my children. You're the son of a rebellious woman. In other words, evidently she's, she's had you through somebody else. Man, that's terrible. That's terrible. And the, but that's what Saul is saying there. He's, he's saying, you're not acting like my son. If you were my son, then you'd understand that, that the kingdom is supposed to go to you and here you are acting like the kingdom's supposed to go to him. Hey, let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Saul was living for one kingdom and Jonathan was living for another kingdom. Saul was living for his own kingdom. Jonathan was living for God's kingdom. He was putting God's kingdom first. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But Saul was saying, no, Jonathan, you seek our kingdom. You seek the power. You seek the prestige. You seek the wealth. Why are you letting it go to, the, to this man named David? He lost it. And then the Bible says that he saw through a javelin at Jonathan. 
tried to kill his own son. The wacko, he's lost it. He's totally lost it. Jonathan voided the, the javelin. And then they had this plan where Jonathan's out in the field and, and he took a young man with him, a lad, and he's sighting in his bow. Well, he's shooting a bow. Well, target practice. He takes the bow, he shoots, and they had this plan that if it was between him and the lad, he had the lad out there. How'd you like to be the lad with him shooting kind of your direction? I, anyways, I just thought about that. But he's out there and he said, if it's between me and, you, and the lad, then you know it's safe. If it's beyond the lad, then you know you need to get out of here. And so he, he strung the arrow and released it, and it went, and went way beyond. And he says, it's beyond you. You got to go. Go further. And that was David's sign that it's not safe for him to come back to the kingdom. He says, okay, we're done with practice day. He sent that young man back. I think at that point, Jonathan knew because he took the young man with him, the, the administration was not fearing that, you know, Jonathan was going to somehow try to meet, meet secretly with David, but that's what happened. And David came out of hiding and man, they just fell on one another. It's not going to be the last time they'd see each other, but this was a, they didn't know that. It's going to be a long time. And the Bible says that David outwept Jonathan, meaning this, he, he wept longer. You know why? Because he really loved Jonathan because Jonathan had been a faithful, loyal friend in his life because Jonathan had proved over and over again that Jonathan just wanted David to do God's will in his life. And then they parted. In fact, look, look at it, verse number 42. It says, Jonathan says to him, go in peace. Isn't that what it says? Is that right? right? Go in peace. The Lord be between me and thee. Lord be with you. Now, when, when you come in administration in my family, when I'm not here, my family's here. You be kind to my family, would you please? We're in a covenant together. And didn't David do that with Mephibosheth? He was faithful to his friend. Jonathan was faithful to David. David was faithful to Jonathan because they were in a covenant relationship in terms of their friendship between one another because both of them wanted God's will in their life. Now, now, here's why I'm saying that to all of us here tonight because, yes, it is true, Jonathan was the right kind of friend because, because he wanted God's will. He supported God's will. He advocated God's will in David's life. And, and you need to be, I need to be the right kind of friend that we would support God's will in somebody's life. And you need the kind of friends in your life that support you doing God's will in your life. That's, that's the kind of friends that you have. Now, now, let's apply this here tonight. Do you have the kind of friends that support you in doing God's will for your life? And I, I'm looking around here tonight and I'm seeing friendships. I'm seeing, I'm, seeing, uh, I'm seeing friends sitting together. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, I'm seeing husbands and wives sitting together. That's a blessing. <laughs> you know, God didn't make us to make it on our own. That's right, You need, you need to be in church. You know why? Because you need other friends that will support you in doing God's will. You, we need this. And, and I know there are some that are watching by live stream right now because of their health conditions and so forth. 
But if there's anybody watching live stream right now that health-wise could be here, you really need to be here. I'm speaking to the camera. You, you, really, you really need to be here because God designed us for fellowship and we need this friendship right here. And you need some friends in your life that'll support God's will in your life. That, that, that they would encourage you, hey, you, you need to stay in church. You need some friends that'll encourage you to stay in church. You need some friends that'll encourage you to do right. Young, young people tonight, listen, do you have friends that will encourage you to do right, that they support you to do God's will? Or do you have friends that kind of mock and make fun of people that do God's will? I'm glad I know this, I know this youth group fairly well and, and, and I'm thankful for them. They just, they just went to Brother Seth to see if they could do some extra door knocking time on Tuesday night and they got together and do that. That's good. That's good. Keep doing that. That's good. They initiated that. That's excellent. You want that kind of positive peer pressure in a youth group. That's, that's a friend that's supporting God's will in your life. Those of you that aren't married, let me encourage you not. You marry somebody that wants to do God's will. Don't, don't marry somebody that doesn't care about God's will. And, and she may be pretty or he may be handsome, but if they're not interested in God's will, you need to remove yourself from there because you need, you need somebody that's going to say, hey, we're going to be in church and, and we're going to do what's right. And we're not going to try to get away with what we can and hide over here or meet off over here by ourselves. Listen, you, you, don't, you don't need to be alone unless you're in public. <laughs> that was a deep thought, wasn't it? You need the right kind of a boyfriend or girlfriend when you get the right age and your parents are okay with it. Isn't that right? But, but how, many, how many young men or how many young women or how many older men or how many older women have got off track because they, they hooked up with somebody that didn't, wasn't concerned about God's will. They were concerned about their own will. And they were going around with secrecy. Hey, God can't bless that. God's nowhere near that. God's not in that. God doesn't want that. You're not honoring God. Have somebody in your life that wants to honor God. Be the type of person in somebody's life that wants to honor God. Don't sneak around. Don't go after your own agenda. Don't pursue your own will. Don't be a Saul. Be a Jonathan, be a David that puts God first and says, listen, I'm going to serve the Lord. And yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. We can serve God together. Encourage one another about Bible reading, about, about a faithful uh, service for God. And there's a lot of that that's already going on with every, in, in every department. I want to say to the young couples here tonight, you need other young couples that are putting God first in their life. That's not here on a Sunday night and then hanging out and drinking a little bit together the next time. No, you need friends that'll encourage you in a right way in God, of godliness and, and other young couples that are trying to serve the Lord. That's what we really need. It's friends that support God's will. Older friends, maybe you get in those, those senior years. Well, those senior years are not licensed for you to get cranky and <laughs> gossip and Carry, is that in my notes? Nope. <laughs> you need friends too that would help you and support God's will. God's will with your tongue and, and, and God's will with your spirit and attitude. You need, you need friends that'll stand up for God's will and advocate God's will and care about God's will, encourage you to do God's will and don't want to do wrong, but that will pray with you and weep with you and stand by you. Ungodly people fight against God's will. Don't, don't make friends that are bitter and angry. 
Because you'll become bitter and angry. Don't make friends with those that resist God's will in their life and that are selfish, but make friends with those that support God's will. Parents, um, support God's will in your kids' lives. Encourage them in the things of the Lord. If God is calling one of them to maybe serve him as a pastor, don't try to steer him towards a career that makes more money. Support them in God's will. I'm not saying God calls all young people, you know, into full-time service. But if God is calling a young person, I think you ought to answer. And I think we ought to support that. And on the flip side of that, if God calls your child to, to be a nurse or a doctor or a banker or whatever, then support that if it's God's will in their life. Does that make sense? We've tried to be careful not to say just because we're in ministry that our sons would be in the ministry. No, we want them just to be in God's will. Support them in God's will. Husbands, support your wife in God's will. Support her. And, and wives, support your husband in God's will. Those of you in the adult classes, uh, we're about to have a friendly competition between the adult classes in uh, the form of a, of a uh, Sunday school campaign. And the main focus of that campaign, I mean, we're going to have a little... Um, a little contest between the classes, and it, it's just, it, it's the Southwest way. There's just competition. Friendly. Friendly. But you know, the main focus of that Sunday school campaign is this. It's real easy that there'd be somebody that hadn't been to Sunday school in weeks or in months, and nobody's contacted them, nobody's called them, nobody's stopped by or text, and we just want to go after them. To say, God's still got a will and plan for your life. And we want to encourage that. And then help people that are new to church to get into Sunday school where they can have a smaller group setting and get to know people and share the burdens of life and pray together and encourage one another and make meals for one another when there's a need uh, to do that. I'm thankful to God that that goes on so often in so many ways that I don't even know about. And that's wonderful. I'm so glad about that. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's good stuff. That makes a big difference when a family maybe has a baby and somebody takes a food a meal over there because you know the husband can't cook most of the time. And so anyways, to have a meal that's delivered there, have somebody when they're down, you know, and, and uh, you take a meal and, and there's sickness there. I, I'm telling you that kind of friendship that just really encourages somebody. When a nation needs revival, there's a great need for God's people to be in a right relationship with the Lord. And then in a faithful, loyal covenant type relationship with one another that is committed and not where you wonder, well, I wonder if they are my friend or not. Oh, there ought not be any question. Even in adverse circumstances, even when you mess up, that you got a friend that'll stick by you. You know why? Because there's a friend in heaven that is faithful. And that's what Jonathan was pointing out. God's been faithful to us, David. And I don't know how all this is going to work out, but I know we can trust the Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for friendships. Thank you for godly friends, people that support your will, loyal friendships that are just represented right here in this auditorium. 
And God, I just pray that you'd help us to be the type of friends that support your will in one another's lives. We need that, dear God. David needed that at a very critical juncture. And so God, I pray that you'd help us now tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.